Welcome to Spiritist Conversations, a show where we sit down with friends to talk about things through a spiritist lens in an informal, unscripted, and unplugged way. I'm your host, Dan Assisi. This is episode 26, Music Spiritually. Music is everywhere in our lives. It's hard to go by a day where we do not hear music. For many of us, it impacts us deeply as music has the incredible ability to affect our emotions and feelings. So, let's talk about it from a spiritual perspective. For this one, Flavio and I are joined by our friends Adam Osborne from Oxfordshire in the UK and Fred Govea from New York. And you too, of course. Pull up a chair and find a comfortable position. The conversation is about to begin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 26 of Spiritist Conversations. This one, we are calling Music Spiritually. I'm your host, Dennis Sisi, and I'm excited here to have a very interesting and very knowledgeable guests to complement my own inability to articulate musical thoughts and thinking clearly. Um, but before we begin, I just want to thank everybody who's watching this and also say that this is a live broadcast. If by any chance you were watching this somewhere else other than through our YouTube channel or our Facebook page, just know that we will not be able to see your comments live. So head over to our YouTube channel or to our Facebook uh, page to be able to interact with us live. We would love to hear your comments and your questions as we go alive. Um, and we're very excited to, um, as I said, have a motley crew of folks here who are ready to talk about this very interesting topic, music, from a spiritual perspective. But before we dive in, um, let's get the folks on the horn so that you get to know a little bit about who they are and where they're from, because we have some new faces here today. But before we do that, let's start with our very own Flavio. Hi, Flavio. How are you doing? Hello, everybody. Flavio Zanetti here, your co-host, talking to you from the beautiful Commonwealth of Massachusetts. And music is a dear passion of mine because who doesn't love music, right? That's right. And we also have our friend Adam. Adam, say hello to us. Hey everyone, hey Dan, hey Flavio, hey everyone else. Um, yeah, Adam Osborne here. I'm calling from Oxfordshire in the lovely United Kingdom, and it is 11 o'clock at night. Aha, uh -huh. and we have folks in all different time zones, so let's make sure we bring in Fred as well. Fred, how are you doing? Hi everybody, Fred Govea here from New York, Brooklyn. Super happy to be here with you guys tonight. Thank you. All right, all right. So um, we have the four of us. We managed something new, four different time zones. And as you can tell, you have some pretty smart people um, that might be knowledgeable about music more than I certainly am. But the topic, nevertheless, is super interesting. So we are hoping that you're going to find this interesting. Um, we are going to say hello to folks along the way. We see our friend Elton already saying hello um, to Adam over YouTube. So a couple of folks are going to chime in. But um, Flavio, what should these people know about our program if they have never um, watched us before? 
So nothing here is scripted. We're just a bunch of friends who get together to talk about spiritism, spirituality, and one interesting topic that happens to be music today. So the first question that I have is, once we go back to the spiritual world, will there be music out there for us to listen? Aha, music. Let's dive in. Ooh, yeah. Music, spiritually. So, 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 so where do we start? Get to it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, Leon Denis in the, spirit, in the book Spiritism in the Arts, he says that the spirit guides that helped him put that book together say that in the spirit world, instead of the spoken word, the music is the type of thought that people most interact with. So music is the primary language in the spirit realm. And the more elevated the sphere, the more beautiful the language, the better the communication. So that's a big yes, I'd say. Um, yeah, and that's actually true of many different other books as well, right? So throughout our spiritist literature, we find many different references, if not necessarily conversations about music, but um, uh, reports from the spiritual realm of how uh, spirits saw and experienced music very differently than we do here on Earth. Yeah, and but isn't there the uh, messages in the posthumous works, which are uh, messages received from the spirit of Rossini, which were received about two or three months after he passed away, talking about celestial music, about how everything's basically so wonderful, a completely different dimension than we can experience here. Yeah, and not only Rossini, but we also have in the Spiritist Review, we have Moser coming through. Um, we have Rossini coming through. We, we have different folks talking about this, too. We also have the French writer Lemonet talking about it. So it's definitely something that um, it's not super well understood, I think, right? But maybe we should start about, uh, with, a, with a preliminary question of what is music? And wow, maybe we should back up and say... Hey, Flavio, I don't know about you, but the only instrument I can play is iTunes. So <laughs> we should actually ask these people, you know, what kind of music knowledge do they have? Because I think that folks don't know that we have some people who actually understand a little bit of music here. Yeah, I, I can play the keyboard, my computer keyboard, and I also can play the bell. When I go visit someone, I ring the bell. So uh, playing music or not, that's, that's beside, right? The passion for enjoying music, I do believe most of us, if not all of us, have, right? So uh, what is music? That's a great question. Uh, any, you know, uh, uh, method of, you know, sound production, right? We can identify as music, right? So it could be somebody singing. It could be metals. It could be chords. It could be a, a symphony, an orchestra. And again, the way I see it is any sound that really pleases us, that we can identify as, as music, I think it's okay, too. For some of the more purists, right, that some of the sounds are even created through a computer these days, they may not categorize that as music, but at the end of the day, it pleases our ears, it pleases our minds, it pleases our soul. I mean, I think it's music anyways, right? Great. Yeah. So, so tell us, uh, Fred, let's start with you. What's your musical, musical background and interest? So it's a, a, mixture, a mixture of a blessing and a curse. I think music is, for a lot of people, either a blessing and a curse. For me, it's both. Uh, from an early age, I was in love with classical music, and I started collecting CDs. My mother was a piano teacher. She taught for 12 hours a day 
a bunch of children in school, the last thing she wanted to do was to arrive home exhausted and have her own son begging for her to teach <laughs> piano. And that's exactly what she got. Um, talk about karma. And I, I learned by ear the piano from a very early age. And I learned the violin in a more traditional way with sheet music, with, with the teachers and the technical stuff. And I learned to play with orchestras uh, as early as 13 years old, which really was when I fell in love with the um, music making uh, exercise of coming together with a group of people and making music together and together in an orchestra. And that was really when I realized, I said, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then I still sing today, but I don't consider myself a singer, more like a screamer. That is really shameful. Um, that's the curse part of it. So with no, with no water needed, right? It's not just a um, in in you know in the bathtub singing going on. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, great. Great. And uh, so, Adam, how about you? Tell us a little bit about your musical interests. Yeah. So I'm from a musical family. Uh, my father was a. Um, bass teacher and composer. He wrote hundreds of pieces of music which have been played around the world. And so I grew up learning a lot about the bass. Um, I learned the bass even when I was too small to even reach the top of it. And I also learned the piano, a bit of trombone, and I play a few other instruments here and there. Um, not really followed followed it through a lot nowadays but i have been a bit more into the composition side of things uh just playing around with a uh, great question there elton with with a name like that you should be the one composing for <laughs> film tv <laughs> but i i do play around with making music uh there's lots of great electronic tools we have nowadays to compose to put ideas together even if we don't know how to play an instrument so and that's what i like to do nowadays great um as i said i i, I, I play nothing i play i play i double click on stuff and i listen to things that i like um but i am very mindful and maybe we can talk about this too about the influence on of music on my mood um in general right um can we can we perhaps take a totally different route because it's coming back to me and again, for the folks that are listening or, or watching us, right? We don't we don't do scripts for these. We don't, you know, uh, uh, officially prepare any any content for these conversations. Again, it's just a bunch of friends, you know, off the cuff having a conversation. But it, it just came back came to me that um, oftentimes spirits are drawn based on some of the music that's playing, right? And in the spiritist literature, there are several examples, even also law, right? The Astro City book talks about that. But there are several examples where spirits are, you know, are drawn to a particular music or a particular, you know, a type of music. And they ended up seeing that someone is listening to that and they get associated with that. Can we perhaps mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that and the, yeah. the uh, role of music in yeah. uh, uh, this association with spirits, discarnates, mm -hmm. incarnates, our love and the things that our emotions that really arise after we listen mm -hmm. to a particular, you know, tune or, or, or yeah. song. That's a great question, uh, Flavio. I'm, here's my, here's my one minute uh, hypothesis on, on, on music, right. In general. So, um, so we know that music is basically vibrations, 
right? It's vibrations through the air. That's how the sound of anything that we hear comes to us. It's these pressures and sound waves that make an impression in our eardrums, and then they kind of come into our bodies. So we know it has a lot to do with the vibrations and, and waves. But if you think about it, everything has to do with waves and vibrations, right? The way we look at color, light, um, is just different frequencies of vibration. So, so these vibrations, they bring with us certain impressions that affect us in one way or the other, either visually or audibly, depending on how our brain processes it. So I actually think that there is a layer to this that we haven't yet figured out, that there is an emotional component with these waves that come and hit us. And I think that's what the spirits generally tell us, right? So one thing that I'm actually very interested in, this may be a talk for later on, is you know how we talk about how we should feed our bodies better and we're learning how to like treat our you know, our bodies better, eating better, healthier, and so forth. I also think that over the next decades, we might find out that our musical diet matters quite a bit in our spiritual development. And we can talk more about that. But, but so I think it really helps me make sense of music, Flavio, um, when I think about waves, right, in general. So it makes sense that, that, that waves and resonance and all that stuff would matter because everything is about energy. It's about frequency. So I think music is a way of us communicating and getting there. Does that make sense? What do you guys think? Makes sense. If you don't mind, Adam, I'll jump right in because my mind is bubbling with three things I'd like <laughs> to share in response to this. One of them, there's uh, an American musicologist that I learned in college. I don't remember his name now, but he breaks down music in a way because you guys asked what is really music. And the way he defined it, I think it was beautiful. He basically deconstructs music and says music is really comprised of three things, three fundamental elements. Rhythm, harmony, and melody. The first one, rhythm, is perceived physically. Our whole body from the moment of conception is already a microscopic little heart. Mm-hmm. There's a drum beat to it. And it, that's why it is incredibly... Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Uh, there's, that's why it is incredibly hypnotic and trance-inducing, which is one of the ways music has been used historically throughout the centuries in rituals to induce the trance through rhythms and beatings. And that's why we're so drawn to it, because our body is emanating rhythmic vibrations, several of them, our esophagus, our stomach, our heart, at the same time. It's, it's like a school of samba that we don't hear, and it operates on an unconscious level, and it does respond to our emotions, whether we realize it or not. So that's the first element. The second element, harmony, he says, is perceived intellectually. So harmony is intellectual. What does that mean? Harmony is pretty much what sustains the melody. So when we go from one chord to the next chord, we modulate from a minor to a major, we go to another key. This progression is called harmony. And the way the melody sits above the harmony allows us to process that on an intellectual level. So we can take Beethoven's ninth. So what we're hearing that that I'm just singing now is the actual melody, right? But what's sustaining and providing intellectual meaning is the harmony, the chords underneath it. And then he says the third element, which is melody, is perceived spiritually. And I think that's really beautiful because he takes it to that next level that we understand in spiritism. So rhythm, physical, harmony, intellectual, 
melody, spiritual. And therein lies the essence of the communication part of music that touches our emotion. And the, the spirit, the aesthetic that talks to Leon Denis says that there are these angelic beings in the spirit realm that are constantly emanating feelings that get registered and communicated to lower realms in the form of sounds, melodies. So when we are composing, in the case of Adam, no matter where we are, when we enter into a state of prayer, meditation, contemplation, reflection, in order to elevate our frequencies, we will very likely be capturing these melodic lines. And what really touches everybody's heart in a universal way is a melody, because a melody doesn't have necessarily words attached to it. It's just the notes creating a phrase that is purely emotional, purely spiritual. And my last thing that I want to say that Flavio uh, evoked from, from my memory is in the spirit realm, spirits being drawn to different types of music in different areas, right? About the affinity that they have. And the aesthetic in this book by Leon Denis, Spiritism in the Arts, explains that there are two types of beauty. And just like science, just like uh, um, wisdom, love, our moral, our intellectual, our science, we have a fourth component that we develop in our spirit, which is the sense of beauty, our aesthetic sense. And this gets developed for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years, right? There's something that he mentions, which is he calls it moral beauty versus aesthetic beauty. When both of them come together, you get these universally appreciated music. No matter if it's a symphony orchestra or a reggae group or a hip-hop band, the style doesn't matter because that's purely like the physical output of it. But when you get the moral beauty, what does that mean? The intention of the composer behind it was to mm-hmm. enlighten, to comfort, to bring joy, mm-hmm. to bring happiness, to soothe. That's the moral beauty that inspires the melody, the arrangements, the rhythms of the musical composition. When you can align that with aesthetic beauty, and aesthetic beauty comes more with music that sounds pleasing to our ears. So tonics versus something dissonant uh, generally tend to be more pleasing to us. So when you can combine the two, you can have an, an ecstatic experience through music. So, Fred, you're in good company. Rossini <laughs> agrees with you. In the Spiritist Review of 1869, which was the magazine that Kardec put forth in a regular monthly basis, there's a communication from Rossini saying exactly that, that the, you know, the, it's, music's not just the order of notes, but that the feeling is really what comes through and what gives that, that sense. So well, that makes emotions, a lot of sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And apparently Plato came up with an expression uh, uh, about this saying, music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, wings to the mind, flight to the imagination, and charm and gaiety to life and to everything. And isn't that just a wonderful way of summing up what music really is? But so just to go possibly off track a bit, talking about how music affects us, there, there, there was a professor, or maybe he's, uh, in, from Berkeley University called Aaron Blumenfeld, who looked into lots of things about music. Uh, I don't know if maybe he's the same person you were thinking about, Fred. But one thing that he talked about is uh, a Vedic principle called uh, Nada Upsana, which is sound worship, where they're looking at the link between the physical reaction to sounds 
and how sounds may activate different chakras, as it were. So different sounds activating and affecting different physical parts of the body. So that's something that's quite interesting to think about, about how on a spiritual level we can easily be affected by sound as well. Because, you know, like you said, a dissonant sound, a bad, slightly negative sound might, might not be so pleasing to us, but a more melodious sound can can calm us, it can harmonize us, it can help us to relax. And a great example of that is the movie called Alive Inside, which won the Sundance Film Festival's 2014 Audience Choice Award. And the gentleman, Michael Rosato Bennett, that put it together, he had no idea what he was getting himself into. He basically did this for a friend here in Brooklyn that was testing the response of patients who are in advanced stage of Alzheimer and dementia with the music that they were familiar with during their childhood. In other words, music that they had a deep emotional connection to. And this movie makes you cry from beginning to end. It's called Alive Inside. You see the the reactions that these patients have. Patients that were for 10 years literally a vegetable they don't remember anyone they don't know anything anymore they just they get washed they get fed they get put to bed and then you put an ipod with a very meticulously uh assembled selection of songs that they loved when they were children they light up they begin to sing the lyrics they mm-hmm. begin to interact and it actually has a lasting sort of you want to call it a halo effect if you will that sort of lasts for a few minutes even afterwards, where they, they talk to people, they interact. So they found that the, the way our physical brains register music is on such a deep level that it's there. You just got to be able to awaken that. So, so Fred, let me, let, me play, let me play devil's advocate here. I'm it was about time, Flavio. Said, it was about time. <laughs> hey, that's my yeah, This was, this oh, was yeah. going too easy. Okay. <laughs> you said meticulously assigned collection of tunes. So let, the question I have for you and for all of us is, is there such thing as bad music? I think so. Yeah. Oh, I love that, Flavio, because I was thinking very similar. I was thinking about uh, affinity, right, and preference, because Fred was talking about, you know, elevating music. Well, some people really enjoy classical or erudite music, whatever way you want to put it. Some people have a predilection towards jazz, and other people like mosh spit, mosh pit stuff, right, like hard, heavy metal. And I have a friend who um, who thought that, that he like heavy metal music was for him very, like, relaxing, right? Um, so I thought it was fascinating because for me, that's not the case whatsoever. It's like overwhelming. Right. Um, but that goes into like, to exactly the, what Flavio was saying, right? Is there a good or bad or how, is it a question of preference? How does that resonate with us? I, th- I think it comes down to vibration. The, what's the actual vibration of the music? How does it make us feel? Is it the kind of music that makes us feel agitated does it make us feel stressed? Does it make us feel violent even? And there are some, some kinds of music that trigger that reaction in people. They might not trigger the same reaction in other people, but for some people it may do. So it can be quite relative and subjective as to what some people would classify as bad music, yeah, other people would love. 
But yeah, I think that's that's how we could define it. Where's, what kind of reaction, physical or emotional, do we have to those sounds? Okay, I like that. I like that, Adam. So depending on how, I mean, I don't think it's anybody argues against that music, right? Uh, presses some buttons in some of our senses. Some different types of music make may make us happier. Other types of music may make us a little sadder, right? Or maybe a little more nostalgic, melancholic, right? We get that. But is that is there such thing as in music that puts us down? Yes. 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 But you know what I think? I don't it, the the bad uh, uh, association to it. I think it's merely. I feel it's only for this preference. I don't like this style. I just don't like how it makes me feel. But I don't think that inherently it's bad universally. Because if I have a violent temperament and I need to work through some issues of anger that I experienced in my house with abuse or at school being bullied. I can use some heavy metal that conjures up that anger and that violence in order to operate a therapeutic catharsis in my spirit. And I can just unleash my anger while I'm listening to the music and it helps me to cope. So I think in those cases, it can be super healthy for those individuals in those circumstances. And there are uh, classical pieces by Tchaikovsky, Rachmaninoff, a lot of the Russians I tend to have a very close affinity with. They're extremely sad, extremely melancholic. I mean, you will weep unconsolably to it. But there are moments when I listen to that, I need to weep unconsolably to it. And it just mm -hmm. makes me feel so good afterwards. So it's yeah. type of, I think it provides a release for some people in that way. So is it really about original intention of the composer? Right, because one thing that I came across reading uh, on again the reviews, the Spiritist Review, which has tons of stuff like scattered about music in general, was a comment that you know that Mozart actually did in the 1858, one of the 1858 editions, the May one, and I have some notes here. He says that music helps with the elevation of the soul, right? And he goes on. He says that the that the thought of the composer creates, and then. The audience enjoys, right, that thought and that creation piece, whether it comes from the composer himself or from somewhere else, which is another conversation for us to have, right? Because, like, who creates what, right? But anyways, so going back to Flavio's question, it could be like, if my intention is to elicit those feelings or deal with those feelings, those feelings of my creation are going to be echoed through the universe, right? So it could be that those feelings are unavailable to me or they don't resonate well with you right like so so they they're going to hit people in different places but there is a, a interesting piece about preference and and then i went back to colors too flavio and i think well colors are also waves right why is it that i like green and you like blue and adam likes yellow and do we even see the same blue yellow and green right i think that we all register differently in our physical bodies which is another question like do we register music differently when uh, based on our own experiences, right? But anyways. Rossini, Rossini says that music has the effect of dematerializing us. Good music, mm, good interesting. So I think uh -huh. the more we go through the therapeutic uh, communing, communing of music and making use of it in a healthy way, just like a steady diet, right? It, as we dematerialize ourselves through this practice, we are going to register the music differently. I think we will. 
So you get somebody that has never heard Beethoven's Ninth Symphony, they they will be touched by it. Mm-hmm. But if you get somebody you, that has been listening to that forever, they're going to be touched in a deeper way, for sure. Deeper way. You know, funny thing, Fred, because the first time I ever heard a CD player, I know, kids, if you're listening, there was a time before CD players and <laughs> digital music, right? My dad brought back this, like, big CD player thing, and the first CD that he put was Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. And I remember as a kid right? I'm not that old. I was still a kid. Um, I remember literally like falling asleep right beside the speaker, just listening to it, right? And waking up, I don't know, like an hour later, like a little cold because I was on the floor, right? But I remember that distinct experience of being close to the speaker with that music, which I must have been like six, seven, I don't know, right? But it touched me in a way that I I did not, and maybe I still do not comprehend, but it did, right? So I think many of us have these experiences too, right? Is there something that particular, like, what is it that speaks to you? Is there one piece or a couple of things that could, when you hear, that takes you to a special place or triggers some kind of emotion in you? Adam? Oh, there, there are a couple of pieces for me. Um, one of them is the Louis Armstrong uh, song, uh, What a Wonderful World. Yes. That, for me, is a fantastic piece. And I've fallen asleep listening to that piece. Um, it's just wonderful. It's melodic. And if we think about it, it's actually a melody that we all know. Because it's based on the same melody that comes from, I think it's uh, Mozart, which is the da-da-da-da-da-da, wonderful one. It's, it comes from the same melody for uh, Twinkle Twinkle, actually. So, And the other song which... I, re- I don't know why it affects me so much, is a bit of a strange one. It's from a little green frog called Kermit the Frog, Rainbow Connection. And it's just something about the song which gets to me, even though the lyrics aren't the greatest lyrics, it doesn't always make sense. It's just something about it, the composition, everything together, which just makes me think, ah, that's great. <laughs> But there are, it, 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 isn't it interesting things. how both of you guys describe the same uh, effect, falling asleep? And I think that's an interesting thing for us to examine for a, just for a quick second, because I've been to concerts all my life. I've played in orchestras all my life. And it is a common knowledge amongst classical musicians and classical audiences that like a lot of people in the audience fall asleep and they fall asleep deep. Sometimes they snore. You have to like poke them so they can <laughs> stop snoring out loud. <laughs> I think that's actually a very beneficial uh, reaction because I, th- I, I have no doubt that in a Carnegie Hall or Lincoln Center, those concert halls, they're like a huge temple surrounded by millions of very elevated spirits that are operating cures and, and, and spreading those good energies to places that need it. So I think when we enter into that state of relaxation, it might be induced sometimes by our spirit mm-hmm. guide so that we can leave the prison of the body and be taken by the power of that music to a place of healing, of comfort, of soothing. And when we come back, we're like, ah, it's just such a nice nap. You know, it was only five minutes, but I feel so energized. And it might be my simple. It might be as simple as just getting in touch or letting your emotions come forward, 
right? Because sometimes we're such an intellective mode that we're just trying to make sense. I know it happens to me quite a bit. I, I process the world through, not through feelings, but through thoughts. That's how I lean, right? And sometimes I have to remember to make space to check in with myself to see what am I feeling, right? And I think music sometimes speaks that. And there's a wonderful quote by the writer Lamine, right? In the 1851, I only remember these dates because I wrote them down, um, <laughs> from the Spiritist Review that says that music is the art, is the art form that speaks more directly to the heart, right? And I think it's true because, I mean, there's art is beautiful, right? You have paintings, sculpting, everything else, but there is a movement to music, right? There is a sense of frequency, cadence, and whatever have you, like whatever you smart people can explain. But there is a sense of moving that kind of takes you with it. And I think it's really like speaks to your heart first. And I, I'm going to make a parallel to, uh, to one of my favorite poets, the British-American poet T.S. Eliot. And in one of his yeah. essays, he says that good poetry can communicate before it's understood. I actually want to say that that applies to music. Music can communicate before it is understood too, right? Because it's poetry. There's, there is a motion to poetry. There is a motion to music that in a way is similar. It hits you emotionally in ways that you can't quite yeah. intellectually, under, at least for me, like I, I feel first and then I go backwards and say, well, why do I like this? Right? Yeah. Well, what, okay, so use, please go ahead. No, I was going to say, why, why do we use music for religious purposes as well? Prayer, hymns, all these Come kinds on, mate. of things. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> it's no for for so, thousands so of happy years. We're, we're in lockstep. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. Yeah, you know, for for thousands yeah. of years, humankind has used music for the worshiping of a god, a king, an emperor, praising someone. Why is that? Why is that? It must be because of the spiritual connection to it. I mean, it must be because of this way that it affects us physically as well. And so we build up through our different incarnations this musical memory, as it were. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can just look at the preface of the gospel according to spiritism. It's such an important, small message. It's filled with musical analogies. And to join the divine concert, take the trumpet, play the lyre. It's all evoking this divine concert. It's wanting to, for us to connect with our feelings. And that's in the preface of the gospel. So it just shows how important that is. And in, even in mediumistic meetings, the Leon Denis in this book also says that the spirit guides ask them to sing before the mediumistic meeting because the emanations are more heartfelt from the collective singing allows them to use those energies to prepare resources and mobilize things in the spirit side in order to have a more efficient, effective, mediumistic meeting. I mean, mm-hmm. that's amazing, right? So, so, so you, you, you brought us straight into this. Let's step on it, right? Let's double click on that. So mediumship, right? Mediumship and music. I also remember reading a comment from Mozart in the Spiritist Review, which is my go-to for this kind of stuff, that he said that he would take walks and then he would hear this music in his head, right? And, and, and it, he basically hints that it came from somewhere else, but that didn't matter to him because what mattered to him was the music. But is it fair to say that pretty much all of art is a mediumistic phenomenon. Yes, it is. And it's not fair to use Mozart, Daniel. 
because it's just <laughs> it's <not>. so infuriating. <laughs> the guy's mediumship is so, just not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have an extreme example, right? Yeah. Well, we, we can use we can use Strauss as well, right? Strauss used to uh, sleep, and he would wake up and compose some of the valses, right? So that I mean, we can use somebody else, but it, I think at the end of the day, uh, all these medium mediumistic phenomena, right? Uh, um, including music, including some of these compositions, are are through are from the other end of the world, right? The other realm, I should say. Now I joke about Mozart because his type of mediumship was so perfect that he received the melodies, he transcribed it in paper, and he didn't let his own spirit edit, correct, adjust. It came so clearly. He and he just had the intellectual ability to put it to musical form. It just happened like that, you know, whereas every other composer, uh, there is that element of themselves trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together along with the inspiration of spirit, mm -hmm. you know. So it's more of a collaboration, whereas with Mozart, it's like, dude, just press and download, <laughs> press and download. It's like, <laughs> not fair. <laughs> to be fair, I'm also a composer a night. My wife tells me that I compose beautiful melodies right through snoring. Um, I am, however, remain deeply hurt that I was not yet recognized for my musical abilities. Um, but that brings me to a point, right? I think you said the limit of, of a composer, the limit of humanity as a whole or human condition in music, because the spirits also seem to tell us that music in the spiritual realm is something completely more sublime and divine, right? Uh, than we have here, um, Where do you go when you listen to music? Like, what, what elicits that kind of feeling to you? Do you guys have a ritual, like you guys that are very musically inclined? I got to be honest with you, like, I enjoy music, but I wish I could spend time studying it and understanding it because there's so much to it that I think the layperson like myself um, really doesn't, right, understand the complexity of things. But, like, are, are, there, are there things that you do, you musical people out there, um, that are, like, your rituals that kind of help you elevate or... Like, wh what do you do? Like, how do you become more in tune with music? Uh, for, for me, it always starts with meditation, to be, to be honest. And even though it may seem very stereotypical, I will use uh, Indian flute music as my go-to music for meditation because it's such something about that which helps me to relax deeply. And quite a few years ago, I created a sort of experimental album, as it were, just trying to create a piece of music per day. And I created about 10 tracks of that. And for that, I purposely tried to not have a specific mindset. And it worked. You know, because for some musicians, you, know, you get inspiration at almost any time. You don't have to have a specific routine, specific mindset to go to. Um, but, you know, sometimes dream is the, the best way. We can wake up in the morning with a melody in our head, or we can be having a shower and suddenly something will come to us, or be driving to work and something will come to us. And in fact, uh, the uh, Australian pop musician Kylie Minogue said that she receives inspiration for music so often that she carries around a tape record a recorder as well as using the record on her phone because she has so many ideas coming back and forth all the time so it's more a case of just making sure that we have the right moment to listen to the ideas that come to us 
And okay. I think to, I so think let, to, let me ask, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, please go ahead. Uh, I'm curious to see how you're going to stir the pot. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a label that I, I'm uh, being recognized already? You you just, just assumed the role, Flavio. We we're just going to make sure that you <laughs> no no recognize no, 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 no. for that. So I like. I mean, I'm sorry to disappoint you, folks, but. Right now, I have a very valid question. Is there a type of music? Is there a type of music that we could listen here while as incarnates that can resemble the type of music that discarnates or spirits can listen in the spiritual realm? Mm. At the risk of sounding elitist. Snob. I will a snob, snob, you snob, snob, elitist, whatever. You snob. Entitled, Go snob. Uh, at the risk of sounding like that, I would say that symphonic, orchestral, jazz, opera is a medium, is a style mm -hmm. through which you have greater abilities to express more variety of forms. It's almost like you have a bigger canvas of colors mm -hmm. through those mediums in order to to bring us closer to what do you want to call it more spiritual elevated music mm -hmm. but they're definitely not the only types as adam was saying like the indian music there's the a practice called kirtan which i've attended a few times here in a uh, hindu center um in manhattan kirtan is the experience of collective music making where the musicians three or four musicians will do a melodic line and then the entire audience will repeat that and then they'll start in a slow tempo and they'll gradually pick up the tempo with beautiful rhythms beautiful melodies and for like an hour and a half two hours you get into a state of ecstasy it's a it's amazing feeling by the end you're you're they're, hypnotic, they're sing, yeah. singing hypnotic they're singing and drumming sometimes two three or four times the speed with, at which they started but you can clearly see that those musicians are being inspired on the spot because every time the audience repeats the melody twice they come back and they create something new Then the audience no. repeats it twice, and re, and, re, and something new just keeps building on top of it. So, I, and, and Fred, this is really interesting because I see a lot in jazz too, right? Where there is like a theme or whatever it is that you call like the main right, piece, yep, the melody, and then yep. they have this period of just improvisation where improvisation, they go like yeah. ABA, yeah. right? Yeah. Like they go off and they improvise, and I feel like how can you for people who like can only play the mouse, right? Um, how can you possibly just kind of come up with stuff on the spot? It seems like it, it seems like alien to me, right? Um, so, but it's it really interesting. It's fascinating. I think that the the um, it seems like the classical music, the 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 intuition comes like in the composing, right? And then in jazz, it's yes, in the composing, but there's also in the performance, right? So it's an interesting perspective on how. Fascinating. I, I did not know yeah. that um, that Hindu practice, which was very, very, very cool. I think that's the beauty, right, Adam? Like in, in jazz, you have the you give the performer total freedom to create Absolutely. on the spot, and I think this is an ability that is ancient to us, but we see it more perhaps in the common common knowledge today, seeing more in the jazz 
genre because definitely in the classical genre, the musicians of the orchestra have zero uh, freedom of improvisation. They can yeah. they can play their hearts out, but within certain confines of the instructions given by the composer. It's because it starts to work like a conversation, a bit like with nature. If we listen to because if we, if we think think sort of more on basic level, music started for us as humans as an imitation of nature. We hear the animals, we hear the mute, we, have, we hear the water, we hear the wind, and so we try to imitate that. So when you come to modern music like jazz, it is a conversation. And also, you mentioned about Indian mu- music as well. It's the same thing. There will start to be one sound, da da da, then another reply, da 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 da, da da da, da da da, da 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 da, and it keeps going on, and it develops and it evolves, and it's all through just intuition through through intuition from that moment, just all the positive energies that are flowing at that time. Mm-hmm. And there are some really funny stories about composers and their mediumship, like just oozing from their pores at inconvenient times. Like Vivaldi was known for having this really spontaneous mediumship, but he was also a priest. So he was in Venice celebrating mass, and many times he would hear a melody in his head and drop everything and just run away and like come back 20 minutes later, like just nothing happened and continue to celebrate mass, you know? So it was that powerful an impetus for him to make sure. And, you know, it's funny. So many of these composers that I've studied and I talk about their mediumship, they have this common thread, like Flavio mentioned about Strauss, that they get taken in spirit, in the spirit world when they are asleep, they experience incredibly breathtaking music that is a million times more elevated and high definition than our physical senses <laughs> like can bear, right? And then it's when true they hi-fi. Come back, <laughs> it's, it's true hi-fi, and we're like in analog black and white mode here. And when they come back and they, and they rush to the, to, the, to the manuscript in order to register everything, nine times out of ten they say that they're very frustrated because it pales in comparison to what they actually experienced in their dreams but they weren't unable to recreate it as, uh, you know, in that way. And so here's an interesting question, right, as we talk about that. Elton, um, not John, is asking <clears throat> us about if you guys know of any mediums who are actually mediums of musicians, because we see mediums of painters, we see mediums of writers, but have you guys come across um, some actually channeling of music? Mm. There, well, there are a few items that are mentioned throughout uh, the Medium's book, and I'm sure in Spiritist Review as well, where we're talking, well, because obviously the receiving of music as a form of communication is a form of communication. It's a form of art. But the there are some people who um, have re- received things. Um, no, there, there's one uh, girl called Alma Deutscher, who apparently has received lots of music directly from Mozart and Beethoven. Um, but there, there is um, a piece which is in what's known as the catalogue of items that Kardec re- recommended for all spiritist centres to have, which was something that the, the grandson or great-grandson of Bach received, um, which was called The Air and Words of Henry III, um, I don't, don't know if you guys know of this story. So apparently, 
this is fa- absolutely fantastic little story um, that apparently um, this guy Bach in um, 1860, 1865, I've got it written down, um, he, his son went out and bought um, like, a, like a piano from an antique shop. And he took it home, and then during the night, Bark, this uh, NG Bark, uh, Nicholas Bark, had this dream about someone showing him the palace of Henry III, Henry III of France, and a composer called uh, Baldarizzini coming along and saying, look, if you look in this part of the piano, there's something there for you. And by the way, here's some music for you as well. He woke up in the morning and just wrote down this piece of music. And there, there is a YouTube video of someone who's performed it. The music was published. It has been performed. And it's a wonderful bit. So it is possible to, I think it is possible to receive music through mediumship, either through delayed intuition through a dream or during a mediumship meeting there are like i said there are various parts in the mediums book where kardec's talking about this adam i'd love if you could share the youtube link of this performance if you if you can find it for us that'd be amazing i'll try and find it yeah 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 and look at that fred you know somebody that uh, might be sharing (laughs) it Mom is saying, what about Mahler's example when his wife asked him to stop writing music, previewing or foretelling their son's death? That's a little bit ominous over yeah. there. Thank you, Mom, uh, for this question, because she, I was gonna, you guys had asked about a particular piece of music or a composer. Gustav Mahler, to me, comes really close to this spiritual, transcendental music. The way he composed, the subject matter that he composed... He knew about reincarnation. He understood about mediumship. He was a conscious medium that sometimes psychographed because he said many times he would tell his wife, I don't know how the notes find their way onto the page. He says, I don't choose what to compose. He chooses me. And this thing that happened with his wife, he composed a a series of songs called Kinda Toten Lida, which means songs on the death of children. Really like... You know, upbeat subject Positive matter. stuff, yeah. Positive, yeah, really, really <laughs> light, lighthearted, really lighthearted subject matter. And his wife was uh, a composer herself, so she used to help him copy the manuscripts into... So when he was, he would get, he got a little house in the, in the um, outskirts of Austria, like in the middle of the country, and he would retire in the summer months just to compose, which was his passion. And it's amazing that he didn't even have a piano in this house. He would just have a desk, pencil, and paper. And there flew off the pages some of the most gargantuan, incredibly beautiful, long symphonies. The Guinness Book of World Records to this day attributes Mahler with having composed the longest and largest symphony, the third symphony, which is like an an hour and a half long. It's just amazing. The, The subject matters are all transcendental as well. Uh, like my favorite, one of my favorite pieces of, of all time is his second symphony called Resurrection. So when his wife was looking at the next music that he, she was supposed to copy the parts, she's like, what are you doing? And then she fought with him and there was this whole drama. And he's like, I'm sorry, I can't help it. It just comes to me. And lo and behold, he lost. They lost their daughter uh, a few months after that. So. Mm-hmm. Tough foreshadowing, right? Um, yeah. 
But it is that time. We are about to uh, um, hit the 15-minute mark, and this is when we should start wrapping up and gathering our final thoughts and also giving folks some space to share a little bit, and we want to make sure that they know how to find you. Um, so to bring us home and summarize, um, since we don't have live music today in the background, we're going to make our own. Um, how do you um, – How do, oh, there, Flavio's clapping for us. <laughs> Flavio, are you going to play for us today? <laughs> Um, I'm already playing. Yeah. You're already playing? There you go. Um, so what is, what is your biggest takeaway from our conversation or from music here today? What message about music um, would you want to leave out there in the world? Who wants to go first? We do a wraparound. I'll go first. Because um, to me, the uh, music is this vehicle or it's the avenue that can drive, you know, motivation, that can drive concentration, that can drive more of our connection with, you know, our creator. Some people use music to really meditate, right, to get in contact with God or to pray. But I want to take us to a passage from Nosolar or the Astro City book where Andrew Lewis is, is walking in those streets, right, the Astro City, and all of a sudden he starts to hear some of these great you know symphonies and he asks the uh, his mentor lysias and uh the, the info, what, what is this where is it coming from right and lysias very kindly tells him that th- those you know symphonies or though that music is coming from some of the laboratories or these workshops where people are actually working they're actually putting some you know they're doing some work and they're really helping others putting plans in place and all that so i guess what i wanted to uh, share in order to wrap this, wrap us up from this uh, topic is let let us all use music to make us better, right? So if you if music is a vehicle for you to be calmer, or they can really bring pay more, you know, uh, uh, connection with the spiritual realm, or they can really help you really get your senses, right? Uh, I think we should use it. Right? We should definitely use it, right? Uh, and then at the end of the day, remember that. Let us remember that our spiritual connections are also going to be tied to those vibrations and those types of music that really make you know sense to them, right? So every time, for example, when I want to remember my mom, I'll go play her favorite song. That brings back brings me back a lot of memories, right? There's a lot of ways for us to leverage music that can make us better spirits or really address or 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 enhance our connection with the uh, spiritual realm. Great. Great. Adam, can we toss it over to you? What are your final thoughts? I think Flavio just summed up most of what I wanted to say as well. But um, no, absolutely. No. Music is, for me, a fundamental part of our being. Um, the right kind of music can help to promote physical and mental health. It can help, to help us to relieve temporarily from pain. It can help us overcome trauma and anxiety. It can help us with so many positive things in our lives that we need to have a good musical life. Even even if we don't know how to play music, it's so easy nowadays to find good music on the internet. You know, it's it's there's so many good channels, so many good radio stations, Spotify, etc. All these things are there. So we need to make use of that so that we can find 
ways to help motivate our inner peace, our tranquility, and just to carry on and just live as happy as we can be. Wonderful. Adam, let's keep going um, clockwise here. Mr. Fred. So there's a quote of a man named Jose Antonio Abreu who founded the largest music education social program in the world in Venezuela in the 20th century. At its height in the early 2000s, there were more than 500,000 children and youth playing in orchestras and choruses. The most beautiful classical music you can hear in amazing quality. And it's, it's just a case study that was exported all over the world as a, a very powerful vehicle for social change. One thing that he said, which is so beautiful, he said that art in the beginning was an enterprise that was done by minorities for minorities. Then as we progress through the centuries, art became an enterprise that was done by minorities for majorities. And as we enter the 19th and 20th centuries, we unleash a new era where art, music, is an enterprise that's done by majorities for majorities. And I think it ties so much with the coming of the consoler and these new revelations that came through the doctrine of the spirits and so many other mediums around the same time, because it ties together with this concept of from majorities to majorities, where the music of the 19th century, especially the romantic music, still is at the foundation of the type of music that most of us enjoy and listen to today. So as a wrap, as a, a wrap up, as a takeaway, I would encourage folks to listen to the music of the 19th century by romantic composers. So Tchaikovsky, Beethoven, and the list goes on. Because in there lies these seeds of these incredibly beautiful, elevating, soothing, consoling songs. And I'll say one last thing tying to the gospel, when Jesus says, let the little children come to me, I think he's also inviting us to let our music musicality come up, let our feelings come up in a spontaneous way. And when he says, let your light shine, I would say, sing your heart out, sing out loud, no matter how out of tune you may be, sing. And no, don't matter if people laugh at you, if people make fun, Sing, even if you sound out of tune, because I think this is such a healthy way to express our deeper feelings of spirituality. So that's my wrap up. Well awesome. said, sir. One of the great things of being at the show is hearing from smart people. So I'm not sure that I can add anything to it other than um, what a blessing it is for us to be able to have different uh, music out there, different perspectives, and to, as a reminder, expose to us ourselves to something other than what we are used to as well, uh, as a tool for being more familiar with different perspectives and seeing if there's something new that can come into our hearts. And um, I know that a lot of us are might not be used to either jazz or classical music nowadays, but, um, you know, one question that generally comes up is why we don't have more great composers like back in the day. I think that we might have. We just don't have the venue and the appreciation for what's out there. So stretch yourself out and try to uh, make time to to let all that beautiful movement and feeling come into you. And hopefully that will help you bring it closer to the creator and the creation in general. So uh, we hope that you continue to listen to music. We hope that you um, are able to challenge yourself in, in, in different ways to grow and be happy and to 
process all those feelings and thoughts that you have. And we're very excited that you're following us here as well. Uh, for all of you guys that have, um, you know, joined us live, thank you so very much for, for being here. We're so excited to have you here. We want to make sure that if you're listening to us, you know that you can watch us either on Facebook, on YouTube. And if you're watching us, we want to let you know that you can also just listen to us as a podcast or whatever podcasts are found. Uh, and you can always, of course, visit our website um, as well, spiritistconversations.org. We're going to redo that and hopefully you'll be able to find everything that you need in there, past and future episodes. Uh, but we also want to make sure that you have a chance to connect with these fine folks. One of the great things that Flavio and I often talk about in Spiritist Conversation is how great it is to meet new people, right? And have a chance to have you guys meet our friends too, because my friends' friends become my friends, right? So, um, so um, Adam, um, tell us a little bit of where folks can find you and what you've been working on as of late. Yep. So, if people want to contact me, you can, can come and visit and follow Cardec Group uh, through our website, www.cardec.org.uk. You can email me, Adam, at cardec.org.uk. Uh, we're on Facebook as well. And we also have a great playlist on Spotify. Uh, just look up Kardec Group, Music for the Soul. Uh, it's a curated list of, at the moment, about 60, 60 songs or so. And it's great for any time of the day. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Fred, how about you? Thank you, Adam. I just started following your Spotify list. That's awesome. Yay. Um, uh, there's a channel that uh, I started in this quarantine called Spirit Reflections. So you can find me on Facebook. If you look up for Spirit Reflections, you can look me up there. Or you can email me at info at spiritreflections.org. And in this quarantine, I've also been uh, spending a lot of good time with my mom. We've been playing some music and putting it online on YouTube. With some, we do it for fun. Like uh, some we do at first for serious. So that's been a, a good time too. That's what we've been doing lately. So Wonderful. And Flavio, how about you? Where can we find you? They generally find you right here, but is there any other place that they can find you? Uh, <laughs> See how I put you on the spot social there? Media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm available on social media as well. For those folks in Massachusetts, right? We go we often times to the, the Ellen Kardec Spirit Society of Massachusetts. I often, you know, visit, you know, spiritist groups when COVID is no longer here, right? I often visit spiritist groups in the uh, U.S. and abroad, but, you know, I'm here. So as your co-host, spiritist conversations, baby. <laughs> Come find us. <laughs> well done, Flavio. Good good job of, uh, you know, uh, going with the flow here. And I'm Dana Cici. You can find me at Dana Cici on social media. Uh, we also invite you to visit our website, Spiritist Conversations. And if you like this conversation or if you want to listen to other conversations, find us on YouTube, Facebook, and whatever your podcasts are found. And last but not least, if you have had a chance to uh, listen to one of your shows and you enjoyed it, please consider sharing that with someone else. That's generally how people hear about our show. Uh, share with a friend. 
uh, find the different topics that interest because that's how the conversation goes. And we're really excited for, uh, that you had a chance to be with us and we invite you to join our conversation. Come in, give us suggestions for future topics, for new things that are in the horizon. Uh, we want to just kind of end up by telling you that on May, uh, sorry, on June 10, we have a special edition of Spiritist Conversations about technology and spirituality. Can spirituality and technology connect? That's going to be part of the 14th U.S. Spiritist Symposium programming. And on June 24, uh, we have uh, another episode coming up too, Grateful for Gratitude. It's going to be about gratitude. So thank you so much, very, very much for listening. And we we hope that you have a great day. See you soon. Thank you. 